welcome to Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. The only professional wrestling podcast in the world where pro wrestling is discussed passionately, with confidence, with great knowledge, and most of all, in the most sophisticated way. So brace yourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because chaos is about to be unleashed. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Ringside Chaos, the professional wrestling discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast and Paint Train Pipe Bomb Productions. My name is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. The Bear of Texas, and ladies and gentlemen, today I want to dedicate an episode to the memory of none other than Mr. Brody Lee. You know, two days ago was the two-year anniversary of Mr. Brody Lee's death. And I'll be honest with you folks, when I saw that Brody Lee had passed away, emotions were so badly overwhelming that I'll be extremely honest with you, I broke down into tears and I did cry like a baby because Mr. Brody Lee, like many of the wrestlers, was simply a wrestler that was beyond committed and dedicated to the business He absolutely adored the professional wrestling business. The professional wrestling business was just more than simply what he did for a living. It was his life. And for me, as a professional wrestling fan that totally respects all that, you know, and as a wrestling fan that's been super supportive of Brody Lee as a wrestler and everything that WWE could have done with him and, you know, everything that he could have shown and, you know, offered for the wrestling business... You know, for me, I, ju- I wasn't just a fan of Brody Lee himself, like in character. I strongly respected him, you know, as a human being. Like, I had a lot of respect for Jonathan Huber. You know, that's Mr. Brody Lee's real name. So basically, I had a lot of respect for Brody Lee, Luke Harper, and of course, Mr. Jonathan Huber. So when Jonathan Huber, of course, as we know, Mr. Brody, Brody Lee, the exalted one, the leader of the Dark Order... When he passed away, I mean, the professional wrestling business, you know, part of the wrestling business died along with it. So, and when I broke down into tears and when I actually told my mom and I told her how Mr. Brody Lee, how Jonathan Huber was so beloved in the locker room, you know, and how he was so greatly appreciated by the wrestling fan base, you know, a lot of wrestling fans, I'm sure, were deeply affected by his death, you know. Died December December 26, 2020. He was only 41 years old. Died of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. And I really don't know anything about, like, about this supposed uh, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. But, (coughs) excuse me. But from what I understand, it's uh, a rare, like, illness of the respiratory system. And it's, char- it's characterized by, I, I think, like, you know, thickening and stiffening of the lung tissue. And so it's kind of like a scarring lung disease, according to, some of, uh, according to some of my research. And it's kind of basically an irreversible decline in lung function. So, you know, and, and I had noticed, you know, when he dropped the belt, uh, he was a TNT champion. When he dropped the belt and then was hospitalized for undisclosed illness, when I saw that news and then when he had passed away and then when the cause of death was, re- was uh, revealed... I said to myself, no wonder, 
because you know, as we know, the whole thing in AEW, you know, with the, the, his um, him holding the TNT title, which we'll get to. But you know, again, this is going to be a dedicated episode, so we'll talk about his days in, in the in the WWE and pre WWE. So, you know, lo- losing uh, Jonathan Huber, whether you want to, you know, with Luke Harper, Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, Jonathan Huber, we lost a tremendous human being and one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in the history of the business. He is gone, but ladies and gentlemen, he is not forgotten. God rest his amazing soul. And now I'm starting to get emotional. So, um, you know, I, I never, I had not heard of him until he arrived in WWE, which was in 2012. You know, before then, you know, he started his debut in 2003. You know, and like you know, a lot of wrestlers, you know, Mr. Brody Lee started out as a backyard wrestler. He was actually known as Huber Boy Number Two at the time. You know, he was trained by. Uh, he was even trained. You know, one of the three three wrestlers who trained him was uh, Tony Mama Luke, who of course we know in WWE was Nunzio. Same thing with ACW. He had made his debut in October seventh, two thousand three, and you know from two thousand seven to two thousand twelve, he worked for an independent promotion, which I believe is based in Philadelphia, called uh, Chikara, and even with other, another promotion called the Cir- Square Circle Wrestling, and you know was all over the independent circuit. You know, I think from 2009 to 2011, he worked for a professional wrestling company known as Jersey All Pro Wrestling before he was finally signed to WWE. And I think there was a story one time when he told that he had numerous tryouts with WWE like over over the years, but none of them quite made it through, or you know, I guess none of them were successful. And then I think at that, I think he was at a point where he was kind of basically moving on from WWE because, you know. I, I, it came to the point where he was already already into his thirties, so he felt that he would never get a tryout tryout again, and he did. But he and I think in the story he says that he had he he was not here he he didn't hear back from John Laurinaitis, and and then but eventually John Laurinaitis called him. But I think in the in, in in that interview he said that the uh, the voicemail like cut off you know when John Laurinaitis was giving his phone number, so Brody Lee Jonathan Huber called his good friend Claudio Castagnoli and he and Claudio and, and Brody Lee I mean they knew each other working you know in Chicara and all the uh, and the indies around so so he called uh, Claudio and asked him for John Laurinaitis's number and then after that it was history and then he had finally arrived in WWE and you know he was placed he was in NXT and of course you know he was part of the Wyatt family and and the whole thing with the Wyatt family you know it was great so so I think you know when, when he was first introduced, you know, in the Wyatt family, I think he was intro- you know Bray Wyatt introduced him as one of his sons. They did capture the NXT titles and held them for a brief period. You know when they started out in 2012, you know, you know of course you know he he was he was not Brody Lee, he he was under the name Luke Harper. And I think at first when he first signed with WWE in March of 2012, NXT was not fully was not established yet. It was still Florida Championship Wrestling. And then it was in August of 2012 when when Florida Championship Wrestling was rebranded as NXT, and then he made his television debut on over, on the November seventh episode of NXT. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. When Bray Wyatt introduced Harper as his first son, so and then of course Eric Rowan would would soon be introduced, and then you know Wyatt labeled him as his second son. So then that's that's how we saw the the beginning of the tag team between Eric Eric Rowan and Luke Harper, which I felt was definitely a very underrated tag team. So. And you know, on the um, when they basically uh, in January of 2013, when they started the NXT Tag Team Championship Tournament, you know, 
Harper and Rowan, you know, eventually made it to the final. Uh, I, f- I forgot who they beat. I I, I believe they actually defeated. Uh, I know I forgot who the team was, but I know that Adrian Neville, who of course went on to be just simply known as Neville, or is you know he's known as Pac today, you know, in AEW. Uh, although when they won it, of course, um, you know, I, I thought there was definitely something huge. I mean, I was not a huge follower of NXT at the time, but I was reading a lot of the recaps. You know, my younger brother Adrian who loved NXT when it was when it was first getting started. A lot of my wrestling friends in college were really on to me and says, man, you really got to catch up on NXT. You know, and, and I was not catching the shows, but I was watching the recaps and everything. And I was, you know, watching whatever there was on YouTube and reading whatever articles they had. So, honestly. So, when they, uh, so they captured the titles, and I think they held them for about 50 days. When Eventually, they lost them to uh, Neville and Corey Graves, which was in July of, 20, of 2013. And, you know, I think basically when they lost the titles, because I think in May, like a, a month prior to them losing the NXT titles, t- tag team titles, WWE started releasing these, these vignettes to, uh, to promote uh, the Wyatt family. So, so obviously with, with the Wyatt family being promoted to the main roster, of course, they're going to have Rowan and, Rowan and Harper drop the belts. You know, that's part, that, that's part of the thing. The old, the old school wrestling uh, philosophy right there when a wrestler is leaving a territory or whatever you lose on the way out i learned that from jim Cornette, believe it or not in that episode of dark side of the ring on the uh, the montreal screwdrop episode so originally so so the vignettes i thought were pretty cool and on july 8th the wyatt family actually debuted when they attacked kane and then i think i think in their first match when harper and rowan you know they defeated a uh, brodus clay and tensai who are known as tons of funk and then you know after that, you know, there was just, you know, they were going on a win on a winning streak, and I'm telling you, Harper working with Rowan, I felt was the great was was the greatest thing ever. But I'm telling you, Harper himself, I mean, you know, and in the previous episode when I spoke about, you know, that when I did an episode about Eric Rowan and, and his pet spider, you know, I praised the ability of Eric Rowan, and I'm telling you, Rowan and Harper both just so badly criminally underrated as a team. But you know, Jonathan Huber, Harper, Brody Lee himself, I mean. You want to talk about criminally underrated? I feel that Jonathan Huber as a wrestler, whether he was Luke Harper or Brody Lee, so badly criminally underrated. I mean, excellent wrestling skills, you know, just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So, so the tag team lasted for a while, and then, um, I, you know, I'll never forget... Um, when Harper and Rowan, my favorite feud with the, with them, I think was was with the Usos, and this was at the same time that John Cena was feuding with Bray Wyatt. So, so I'll never forget, like you know, when uh, Harper and Rowan they were put in the WWE Tag Team Title picture when they uh, when they unsuccessfully challenged the Usos twice. It was at the uh, it was at the uh, Money in the Bank pay per view as well as Battleground in 2014. Now I kind of feel like the summer of 2014 was was a pretty. Uh, Pretty exciting, you know, especially for you know for the Wyatt family. So, um, so even though they didn't actually win, they didn't actually win the titles. I felt that you know the, the two matches that they had with the Usos challenging them for the titles at Money in the Bank and Battleground in 2014, I felt that both matches were just absolutely tremendous. One of the matches that will actually believe it or not, if I if I if I'm correct, was actually a two out of three falls match, and that match was tremendous. So. So after the feud uh, with the Usos, uh, after that, I, I'm not sure exactly, I don't re- remember, but then all of a sudden, you know, in late September of 2014, all of a sudden, 
WWE started releasing these promotional vignettes of uh, Harper and Rowan being set free. And I'll never forget, the one with Harper being set free, I mean, that particular video package is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in professional wrestling. And, you know, and going back to how great Luke Harper is, I mean, one of my favorite things that he did was how he, it was the yeah chant, how he would go, yeah, 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 <laughs> I mean, the yeah chants that Luke Harper did, you know, I wonder if he did them previously when he was, when he was Brody Lee in the Indies. I'm not entirely sure, but... You know, I, I, that's one of the just one of the many things I loved about Harper. How he, he would do those those brilliant yeah chants. It's, uh, I mean, if you've watched him, I mean, you know just how special it was. But you know, I, I try my best to try to imitate that chant. But I'll be honest with you, mine is so bad. It's just you know, it's un, it's unbelievable. So, so so basically, so after he was basically you know quote set free in storyline. So basically, WWE creative management obviously decided to split up the Wyatt family. So, so during those vignettes, uh, I mean, Harper was off of television for a, for a little bit because okay, so because keep in mind it was it was it was in the beginning of September, like well, it was at the end of September rather. So and then I'll never forget in early November, Harper uh, returned to television when he when when he threw a uh, Dolph Ziggler and when Triple H and Stephanie McMahon were in their office, and, and this was you know when the authority was kind of running the show. And this was this was part of the buildup to the Survivor Series of 2014, Team Cena versus Team Authority, and Team Authority was you know going around recruiting uh, members, you know recruiting heel wrestlers to join their team, and I'll never forget in one episode at, at the end of the show when Harper threw an unconscious unconscious Dolph Ziggler at Triple H and Stephanie, and he said, and I quote, "I'm a team player," and. I mean the way the way Harper just said that, and the way the way like you know his facial expressions, the way he just put himself out there, you know when when he said what he said. I mean, absolutely brilliant. I mean, he tells Triple H and Stephanie that I'm a team player. I mean, basically he says, well, very likely he's going to join Team Authority, and then that following week he did officially join Team Authority, and that very same night he won the Intercontinental Championship from Dolph Ziggler, which honestly. De definitely didn't expect, but I felt like you know Harper, you know, getting a single a singles run, you know, and having the Intercon intercontinental title placed on him. Personally, I felt that was great because again, I admired him, you know, for his skills and everything we've seen so far. And I and since I felt that Harper and Roan were great as a team, along with the Wyatts, I, I was really curious to see. Well, let's see, let's see what kind of magic he can create as a singles wrestler, and and and, and I was pretty excited. So he won the Intercontinental title, but then, you know, Team Cena ended up winning uh, at Survivor Series. You know, and I'll never forget, you know, um, like that. But then I think basically uh, at, at TLC later in, De in December, he actually lost the title. So I kind of felt like his title ran being only 27 days. I'll be honest with you, that I did not, I did not like very well. But, but you, know, uh, you know, for those of you out there, you know, and I'll, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, how... Um, in an interview on Talk is Jericho, how uh, Harper basically spoke about the title run, he basically said that you know he he never he I think he mentioned he never won a, a match on TV with the belt and you know and you know did a lot of disqualif you know lost a lot of times by getting disqualified. So now that you think about it, I mean him losing the belt because you know they put the belt on him and then he wasn't winning a, he he didn't win a match on TV with the belt. It did not make any sense from a creative perspective and for me. You know, in a fan perspective and a huge admirer of, of Harper, you know, Jonathan Huber, Brody Lee, you know, it made no sense. 
So, but then I was afraid that him dropping the belt, you know, in, in that ladder match, and that ladder match with Dolph Ziggler was amazing. So, so even though he lost the belt, I mean, the match was still great, but, you know, fans were still under, were still behind him. I mean, I, I definitely was. And then I'll, and then I'll never, and then I was, I was so grateful that, you know, the seven-man ladder match at WrestleMania 31, that he was part of it, I and mean, that's how he ignited his feud with Dean Ambrose, who, of course, as we know, is John Moxley. You know, I was, you know, I'll be honest, believe it or not, I was actually really hoping. I mean, Daniel Bryan won the match, which, which, which I was happy with, but I'll be honest with you, had Harper won that match at WrestleMania, won, re regained the Intercontinental title, winning the seven-man ladder match, I would have been just absolutely overjoyed. Absolutely overjoyed because, you know, for me, I'm beyond a vocal supporter and admirer of, of Harper. I mean, I'm just beyond that. I mean, it's hard to explain. But, you know, he didn't win the match, but then the feud with him and Dean Ambrose, I think, led to uh, that Chicago street fight, which was, I believe, at Extreme Rules. And then I forget, you know, the match started out in the ring. They both, you know, they both fought backstage. They even got into a car and drove away, and I'll never forget that. But, but you know, but, uh, you know when, when uh, Brody Lee, when Huber said in, in his interview uh, with uh, Chris Jericho, he said that, you know, when he pitched a couple of characters, you know, which I'll get to in a little bit, I mean, you know, he wasn't winning any matches. I mean, Harper was constantly losing, so I felt that creative was really just, they they were burying him as a singles wrestler, and then not long after the, the feud with Dean Ambrose, you know, they put Harper back with Rowan, and, and eventually the, 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 the Wyatt family, you know, fully reunited, so, so I kind of feel like, so honestly... Dissolving the Wyatt family, I think, in the first place was definitely a failed experiment. It could have been better in, Har in, in Huber's case if, if, had they had creative only done things correctly, had booked uh, Harper correctly as a singles wrestler because without a doubt in my mind, Harper would have been a fantastic singles wrestler had only if, uh, if only creative had, a, had been able to book him properly. So, so eventually in May, he's reunited with Rowan, the Wyatt family's back, and... And then, and then eventually, you know, Braun Strowman eventually joined the Wyatt family. So, and then, you know, of course, I'll never forget when, when Randy Orton also became part of it. But, but you know, those that time, I think, was in uh, when uh, in March 2016, when Harper actually suffered a knee injury, which was in a dark match, and he was actually out for six months. And, it, and I think the injury was, you know, he injured his patella and, su and suffered a torn uh, medial. Uh, patellofemoral uh, ligament. I actually had to research that. So, so he's out for a while. But then you know, when Randy Orton joined the Wyatt family, you know they won the tag team titles. But of course, you know, under the Freebird, uh, the Freebird rule, Harper was actually recognized as a champion as well. So, so I don't, you know, I really don't know after that. But then, um. Moving forward, you know, with, with the whole thing, you know, he was uh, going from like 2015 to 2017. We really didn't see too much. I mean, for me, I, I didn't like what I didn't even like what I was seeing as far as uh, you know the booking with Harper. But then, you know, Harper I think disappeared from television uh, for a while. This, this is after WrestleMania 33, and then you know October 10th. You know, this is where we saw um, we saw him with Rowan again, but. This time, it was nothing related to the Wyatt family. This was like a, a, a complete repackage. This is when they were known as the Bludgeon Brothers, and Luke Harper was just basically simply known as Harper at that at that point. So, 
then you know eventually uh the Bludgeon brothers would would you know feud with the Usos, the New Day, and I think you know eventually at WrestleMania 34 they captured they captured the uh, WWE tag team titles. I believe it was in a fatal four-way tag team match. But um yeah, it was at WrestleMania 34, but I I, I, I oh, actually it was actually a, a, either a fatal four-way or, or a triple threat. I think they wanted a match. If it was Fatal 4A, I believe it was against the New Day, the Usos, and Gallows and uh, Anderson. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't quite remember. But but eventually they did lose the belts um, to the New Day, which was in August. And I believe and the reason why was because the next day it was announced that Rowan actually had suffered a torn right bicep. So they obviously had to split the team. And the team was on hiatus, but... I think, you know, as a result of the injury, Harper actually also uh, disappeared from television. So so then after, you know, 2018 and 2019, we really just didn't see really much of him. I, I'll never forget when he, I, I heard the story that, you know, in September of, uh, I think, 2018, he actually uh, made a surprise appearance at NXT when he uns- unsuccessfully challenged for the NXT North American Championship, who I believe uh, Ricochet was the champion at the time. But then, you know, not long after that, you know, Harper ha- once again had to uh, go on a- another hiatus because of an injury, and then um, and then after that, we we really just didn't didn't see much. I mean, he, he at WrestleMania thirty five he was in the Andre the Giant M- Memorial Battle Royal, but he didn't win, and then um, apparently. According to some source, like there was a match he had, a, he had a match, and then Vince, there was a, that sort that Vince McMahon did not like the match, and apparently there were some creative plans uh, for Harper to have a huge feud with Sami Zayn, but Vince McMahon was so unimpressed that that it was that it was canceled, and then you know immediately after Harper re- requested a, a release from WWE, but the problem is you know Harper had not been on WWE uh, television programming for a long time, and so he requested his release, but it was denied. And I think, you know, his contract was supposed to expire in November of 2019. But, you know, because of the time he missed during, he missed, uh, during an injury, WB actually added an, an additional couple of months. So, so you know, because for a while, Harper was basically, if I remember correctly, he was just sitting at home. So, obviously, he felt that, you know, he wanted, he wanted out of the company, but they just didn't, they just didn't do it. But, but you know, he was eventually released from WB in, in December of 2019, and, so uh, and then, and then when I, when when that happened with AEW, you know, just really rising and rising and rising, I really felt that, you know, it was only going to be a matter of time before he made it to AEW. So here we go. But before I, I I get too deep into that, so going back to that interview with uh with Chris Jericho, you know, he mentioned that um again, you know, he when he had the Intercontinental Title. He had it for 27 days, and you mentioned you know he never won a match on t- on television with a belt, and he did a lot of DQs. You know, like you said, and I strongly suggest listening to that episode. But you know, he re- he remembers like you know he pitched a lot of ideas. You know he uh, and you know specifically two of them, and that he pitched to Vince McMahon and, cre- and WWE Creative Direction, which they didn't like, but because he he mentions that. Vince McMahon saw uh, saw him, you know. Again, you know, as he says, as he said in the interview, you know, Jonathan Huber mentions that Vince McMahon saw him as a quote backwoods hillbilly that spoke in a very southern accent. So, 
which you know because part of the, of the whole Wyatt family, you know, of, of course, you know that that's why you know of, of course Vince McMahon would envision Harper as as, as as something like that. But you know, Huber mentioned that he mentioned that he mentioned like an idea of him, you know, you know basically partaking in a gimmick to where he was a you know a collector because you know he he says you know in that interview he says you know Harper you know was kind of very much into serial killers serial killers just like me. So he pitched an idea that he was like you know he would like collect something from every opponent that he beat, you know, kind of like how a serial killer does, you know, a serial killer will kill somebody, and serial killers actually take trophies with them, so, so it makes sense, and I felt that that character definitely would have worked, but, you know, and also, another character that he mentioned was, quote, an intelligent monster, and he even mentioned that he would look exactly the same way he did with the Wyatts, but he would speak more, but speak in a very intelligent and eloquent way. You know, I think you mentioned like almost like being like a supposed Bruce or Brody-like character. Now, honestly, I would have probably preferred the collector gimmick, but I felt like the intelligent monster persona certainly would have fit him quite well. But it's a shame that they rejected it because I felt that it could have worked so as long as creative direction would have booked it properly. But the problem is... Especially during that time, you couldn't really trust uh, a uh, you couldn't really trust the creative direction. So, I mean, it, it's a shame. So, you know, and he even mentions it as part of the interview that you know Vince McMahon wanted him to talk in a southern accent. But you know, if he tells Vince McMahon that you know he's from Rochester, New York, but you know he tries it and it didn't sound good. And you know, of course, then he and then after that, you know, you know, all of his ideas were rejected, and it's a. Uh, it's a damn shame because, you know, I feel like, you know, him either being the intelligent monster or having the collector gimmick would have worked. But he also mentions that interview, the collector gimmick, you know, he said the problem was that he wasn't beating anybody. So how can he collect something if he's not beating anybody? So and that makes perfect sense. But also it also proves just how poor the booking was on Harper. I mean, I think it's so poor that it's, you know, it's an absolute Tra- travesty of justice, really. I mean, it's it's criminal how the how poorly how, how poorly treated he was, um, you know, with his booking. I mean, WWE could have you know he could have done so well if only if they had given him the chance. But the problem is Vince McMahon just wasn't going to go with it, and I feel like it's a it, it's a loss on WWE side. I mean, it, it definitely affected Harper himself, but overall, he could have done a whole lot for the company if they had only given him the chance. So. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, these are just merely my opinions, but but uh, honestly, again, we all, all all of us wrestling fans, you know, have our opinions. So at the end of the day, uh, anything I say is just merely my opinion. But but when we finally saw him go to All Elite Wrestling, um, that's when things just you know really you know got exciting because you know I I knew that the Brody Lee character was definitely gonna gonna come back, you know in November of 2019 when he actually filed the trademark you know for the for his character for the Brody Lee character, you know I really figured that you know now that he has control over it and he goes to AEW he can actually readopt the 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 Brody Lee persona and use it to his. Uh, Use it to his uh, personal interest in AEW, and he can certainly give the fans what the fans would want, and he would a- he would actually be able to actually wrestle, you know, with creative freedom. So, you know, it was heavily rumored. You know, I think starting in March, you know, it was heavily reported that he was that he was coming, and AEW was actually going to have a match in his hometown of Rochester, New York. But of course, you know, the pandemic happened, and and that and, and you know that and that was ruined. So. 
you know, of course, you know, there was, you know, the, the Dark Order was emerging in AEW programming, and there was, all, of course, all this talk about an anonymous, unseen leader of the faction, but then, you know, all, all these talks, you know, week after week with Evil Uno, you know, eventually, Brody Lee made his debut, and he was actually revealed as the Exalted One, so, honestly, and I felt that was definitely the best way to bring him in, so, you know, the Dark Order was just rising and rising and rising. I mean, they were, you know, I remember you know, all over social media in these vignettes, there was the Join the Dark Order thing. So, so uh, Brody Lee arrives, you know, he, he's basically, you know, introduced as the Exalted One. He starts going on a rampage every week. He's, re you know, he starts recruiting members into the Dark Order. The likes of, you know, Colt Cabana was one of them. So he goes undefeated, he attacks John Moxley and issues a challenge for the AEW World Championship, which was going to take place at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. But, you know, he, he did, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, he did come up short. And I, and I, and I kind of figure, you know, he goes undefeated, he, you know, he's making an impact, he unsuccessfully challenges for the belt, and I felt that that was honestly the wrong move. So, because I felt like, you know, him losing to John Moxley was only going to, was to affect his uh, status, but... But in, in August of 2020, you know, uh, when, he had, when he had quickly defeated Cody in a squash match to win the AEW TNT Championship, you know, I really felt that was actually one of the greatest moments I've seen, you know, with him. You know, I was happy for him. And, you know, of course, that story how Cody even, you know, said that he was willing to lose like that just to put him over. I mean, see, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of wrestlers were pissed off just how poorly booked he was in WWE and, and they knew that if you just let him you know, if, you, if you give him the ball if you trust him if you do things right with him you know everything's going to work out well so so that was clearly the case but you know so he wins the title and then and it kind of seems that the dark order is truly on top of the world so he he held the belt you know for for a little bit you know not too long I'm sure that I'm sure obviously originally the plan was for him to hold the belt longer, but then, of course, um, you know, when he lost it, we, 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 then we under, there was that report of you know, him being diagnosed, uh, I think, with an injury, but, we, but we, didn't, we didn't know what it was because it was still undisclosed. So he went on hiatus. So, so after winning the title in August of 2020, you know, you know, the likes of uh, you know, Cody's allies, you know, the likes of QT Marshalls, Dustin Rhodes, they were attacked you know, by him in the, in the Dark Order. So, so the likes of, you know, Lee would then successfully defend the title against, you know, Rhodes, Orange Cassidy, you know, he, he, was, he, he was definitely getting some, uh, he was, he basically, he has the title and he's winning matches on TV. Now, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, there was not an audience there. So, so after the, you know, soon after Cody returns and then Brody Lee issued the challenge, you know, to a dog collar match for the title, which actually took place. October 7th, which turned out to be Brody Lee's final match, you know, in his career. So he lost the title. Now, the title reign, official reign is at 55 days, but according to, according to my research, the, uh, the reign is actually recognized at 46 days because of, you know, because of tape delay. So he loses the match, and then immediately after, he, he disappears from television, and then he was on hi hiatus because, you know, it was reported to be an undisclosed injury, but we, we didn't see him after that. So after he went on hiatus, it was because, you know, he, all of a sudden he was starting to have health problems, which was related to what eventually, you know, which what he eventually died of. So, so honestly, really, me as a huge admirer and fan of uh, Jonathan Huber, Brody Lee, and Luke Harper, 
one of the, um, you know, this makes me extremely sad. I mean, because number one, it's unfortunate that during his time in AEW, because of the freaking pandemic and the lockdown and all that, he, you know, he never got to perform for AEW in front of a full sold-out audience, you know, in, in front of a sold-out house, which makes me cry. But, but at the same time, for me, even despite that, he still had a hell of a run in AEW. The fans got to watch him, you know, be himself. That's why I will say, with all that creative control, the creative freedom, with him being Brody Lee and everything, we finally got to see the talent that he truly was. I mean, AEW really gave him that. They really gave him the chance. They Tony Khan really told him. I mean, for me, I, I would have, you know, if if I was Tony Khan, I would have simply told Jonathan Huber, "Be Brody Lee. Be Brody Lee. Be the best Brody Lee you can." Do it for the audience. Do it for the wrestling fan base. And that's exactly what we saw. So I think that if it wasn't for that injury, for, if it wasn't for those health problems that eventually, uh, which he eventually died from, I have actually no doubt in my mind that he would have held the title longer. But, you know, unfortunately, because, you know, after he was, uh, he was, I think, immediately he was immediately hospitalized, I think, after that. So, you know, and, and the saddest part is, you know, he died 10 days after, after his 41st birthday. So, you know, and, and this was actually in October. So it was actually, he was actually hospitalized in October. So, and at first, at first we thought that, <clears throat> that, that he had some sort of illness that was, uh, that was actually related to the, uh, to, to the COVID-19 virus. But, but, but according to reports, he had, um, he had tested negative, uh, uh, he had tested negative numerous times and then. He had checked in the hospital in, in October, and then you know, just not long after, he was moved to the ICU, and and then it, it, and then you know, it was his widow. She revealed in January of 2021 on a on the AEW Unrestricted podcast that he had died from idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, which again is a rare condition which causes the lung tissue to become irreversibly thickened, and, and the lungs can no longer function. So. So it, it, it's 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 a damn shame, it really. It, it it really is, because again, you know, when I found that he, that he died, you know, it affected me so much. I mean, a lot of wrestling fans, much like me, were were simply affected. So, but you know, <clears throat> you know, basically two days ago again was the two year anniversary of his death, and I just really wanted to take the time to come here to basically say how much I appreciated him, kind of go through his career, you know, kind of like do like a little tribute episode. And honestly, I felt like, you know, I had to do it now because, you know, I, I could have done this. You know, I, I come home from work late, but you know what? I'm going to do this now and, I, and I'm going to get it over with. And man, but words just cannot express how much I appreciated his wrestling ability, his commitment and dedication to the wrestling business, to entertaining the fans. Brody Lee, Luke Harper, Jonathan Huber, rest in peace. God rest your amazing soul. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you did for the professional wrestling business. And I think that every single wrestling fan today will agree that everything that he has done in his career from AEW to WWE to the independent circuit, whether he was Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, Luke Harper, whether he was part of the Wyatt family, the leader of the Dark Order, everything that Jonathan Huber did in the professional wrestling business still has an impact on the business today, and it's going to have an impact on the business forever. Ladies and gentlemen, I can promise you that. Ladies and gentlemen, 
This show, Rinkside Chaos, is available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. And remember, if you know somebody that loves professional wrestling and they are looking for a very exciting and unique professional wrestling podcast, this show, Ringside Chaos, is the show for them. Thank you all very, very much, and Happy New Year, everybody. And Brody Lee, God rest your amazing soul, gone but not forgotten. Happy New Year, everybody.